0: It's Saturday, August the 29th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Abe Shinzo resigns and another march on Washington. First, the week in brief. Abe Shinzo resigned as Prime Minister of Japan because of ill health, although he will stay in the post until a successor is chosen. Mr Abe is the country's longest-serving prime minister. His current period in office started in 2012. He has endured a long battle with ulcerative colitis, a chronic intestinal disease. His departure triggers a leadership race in the ruling Liberal Democratic Party. Thousands of people paraded through Washington, D.C. on Friday to denounce racism and commemorate the anniversary of the March on Washington, which took place on August 28, 1963. There, Martin Luther King Jr. made his landmark, I have a dream speech. The civil rights leader's eldest son attended, as did the father of Jacob Blake, a black man who was shot in the back by police last week. Teams from America's National Basketball Association agreed to begin playing again. Players have been on strike since Wednesday in protest at the shooting of Jacob Blake, an unarmed black man by police in Wisconsin. NBA executives agreed to address social justice concerns, including by using basketball stadiums as voting stations for the presidential election in November. France's President Emmanuel Macron said he was doing all he could to avoid another lockdown following an exceptional rise in COVID-19 cases. Over 7,000 new infections were recorded in the country on Friday, the most since March. The current wave has been less deadly than the earlier one, as younger people have been more likely to contract the disease. Researchers in Nevada identified the first known case of COVID-19 reinfection in America. A man tested positive in April and then again in May with a different strain. It is the first case of reinfection in the world known to have brought on severe symptoms. Meanwhile, four people at the Republican National Convention in North Carolina this week tested positive for the virus. MGM Resorts, an American casino operator, is laying off 18,000 furloughed staff, a quarter of its workforce. Coca-Cola, meanwhile, is to offer voluntary redundancy packages to about 4,000 workers in America, Canada and Puerto Rico. Both firms have been hit by the pandemic, MGM through fewer travellers, Coca-Cola through the closure of bars and restaurants. And Ukraine halted communications with its northern neighbour Belarus. The latter country has been hit by mass protests and international condemnation since Alexander Lukashenko, the country's ruler since 1994, claimed victory in a rigged election on August 9th. Ukraine's foreign minister said he would watch the European Union's response before taking further action. And now, here's today's agenda. We'll always have Paris. The Tour de France begins. The Tour de France always gets to Paris on time. Such is the organizer's absolute adherence to this maxim that the world's most famous cycling race has been completed to the day despite student riots, terrorism and serious doping scandals. But the coronavirus may provide the toughest test yet. The 2020 edition, which begins on Saturday, will take place entirely within France. No dog legs to Yorkshire this time. Teams will form bubbles to minimise the risk of transmission, and many of the traditional niceties such as riders giving autographs and selfies have been banned. If two members of the same team test positive or report symptoms, the entire team is booted off. Fans must also behave. Cars have been outlawed from the route, face masks are compulsory. The peloton is due to arrive in Paris on September 20th, don't bet against that, but how many teams will still be in it? Not what it used to be, climbing Mount Everest. Conquering Mount Everest, the highest peak on earth, is not quite such a big deal anymore. At least, that is according to analysis in the scientific journal PLOS One, measuring trends in success and death rates on the mountain since 1990. For example, the success rate has doubled. Two-thirds of climbers now reach the summit compared with one-third previously. Even more encouraging, only 1% of climbers die, an unchanged share despite record numbers of first-time attempts. Most who climb are now aged 40 or older, and more women are climbing, with the same rates of success and death as men. Better weather forecasting and accumulated experience have contributed to these trends. Note, however, that success means only reaching the summit. Most deaths occur on the descent. All this said, tectonic activity is causing Everest to grow by about 4 millimeters a year. For those who dream of standing atop the world, sooner may be better than later. Tales from the Drug Wars, The Life of El Chapo Perhaps no one alive incites fear and fascination quite like Joaquin El Chapo Guzman, boss of the Sinaloa drug cartel. The Mexican's cruelty should not be understated, but Mr Guzman's charisma and improbable prison escapes have made him something of a legend. His epic story may have come to an end last July with a life sentence in a maximum security prison, but is now recounted in Alan Foyer's new book El Jefe, The Chief. A reporter for the New York Times, Mr Foyer covered Mr Guzman's trial in New York, which required unprecedented security. El Jefe builds upon that reportage by diving into the events leading up to the courtroom drama, from Mr Guzman's beginnings as a small-time marijuana farmer to the joint Mexican-American operation that ultimately brought him down. Through the lens of Mr Guzman's life, Mr Foyer reveals much about society and the drug trade in both Mexico and America. Online Carnival, Notting Hill Goes Digital It started as a symbol of defiance. In 1958, as ugly race riots tore across West London, Claudia Jones had an idea. A Trinidadian-born journalist living in London, she organised a small Caribbean-themed gala in 1959 to showcase the cultural dynamism of the capital's West Indian diaspora. It would be a slap in the face for the racist thugs who had wreaked havoc on London's black and Afro-Caribbean communities. Seven years later, Ms Jones's gala morphed into the Notting Hill Carnival. The annual event, due to start today, has blossomed into Europe's biggest street party, typically attracting more than a million punters over the weekend. This year it has moved online. The usual parade of street performers and dazzling costumes will be virtual and musicians will live stream their sets. Cancelling was never an option according to its organiser and the event is a timely reminder that a glimmer of joy can emerge out of darkness. Documenting Wuhan, Ai Weiwei's latest work. Ai Weiwei unexpectedly released a new film last week. Coronation tells the story of the original outbreak of Covid-19 in Wuhan, China. Mr Ai, who is Chinese but lives as a political exile in Britain, directed the film remotely. His eyes and ears were the citizens of Wuhan who documented the city's plight from the beginning of its lockdown in January to reopening in early April. Of his directorial style, Mr. I says, I cannot make sure anyone is safe. I gave them daily instruction, and they have the absolute choice to film the way they think is safe. After Human Flow, his film from 2017 about the refugee crisis, Mr. I sees Coronation as the latest in a series about human catastrophes. The obvious logistical problems were not the only challenges in producing it, To make a documentary film was difficult, since nothing was supposed to be documented, he says. Finally, here's the quote of the day from John Locke, who was born on this day in 1632. To love truth for truth's sake is the principal part of human perfection in this world, and the seed plot of all other virtues.